Hey, what's up? This is Seth Mosley, and you're listening to the Full Circle Music Show, The Why of the Music Biz. Today is an interesting episode with one of my industry heroes, Tom Lawney. Why is it interesting? Well, we talk about music and we talk about his 29-year career in music as a producer, mix engineer, and engineer for artists like Big Tent Revival, Rich Mullins, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and Michael W. Smith's record, Worship. Huge record. I definitely grew up listening to it. And so it was really cool to sit down with Tom. But he talks about something a little bit different. I think it's going to be really interesting. It's so applicable to a lot of you listening who are artists and people working in the music industry. This one is called How Artists Can Dramatically Increase Returns Buying and Selling CDs and T-Shirts. Very, very, very cool stuff. So he talks about his story and his one key for his success in music. He also talks about a turning point in his life where he had a horrible, horrible accident that forced him down a different path and to him doing what he's doing now. I think you're going to get a lot out of it, but it's a three-part system for what he calls bulletproof wealth. And yes, this is a little bit of a money episode, but don't skip it. Listen to this one. This may be one of the most important Full Circle Music Show episodes that we've done so far. Because as artists, you have to understand how money works. You have to understand that you are a business owner and you need to know this stuff. So don't just listen through on your way to work, but really sit down and take notes on this. Rewind it. You got to get this stuff. So this is Tom Lonnie. But before we jump into the episode, here's just a quick announcement for you. All right, we are going to jump into the studio. But first, make sure you head over to our YouTube page, search Full Circle Academy. I've started a new vlog for those of you who want my raw, unfiltered thoughts. See, we try to keep the Full Circle Music Show pretty unproduced. These are just the conversations that we have unscripted. This is the next level of unscripted. My vlog is literally just me giving you my thoughts, what's going on, things that I'm excited about, things that I'm struggling with. So check that out. It's at the Full Circle Academy YouTube page. You can just search Seth Mosley's vlog. That's V-L-O-G. Don't miss that. I'd love if you'd hop on there and subscribe. It would help us out a ton and uh, share it with a friend. As always, we would love to hear from any of you, our listeners. We really, really do appreciate you helping us make this show what it is. So if you've ever got a question or feedback, or just let us know what you think about the show, reach out to us on Instagram at Full Circle Music Co. Or you can just email us directly at support at fullcirclemusic.com. And if you do that, you may even get some information about one of our next secret songwriting retreats. We've got one coming up in August. Yes, I just announced it, but I'm not going to say anything more about it than that. You just got to email support at fullcirclemusic.com if you want to hear about how you can get invited to one of these secret songwriting retreats. So without any further ado, we're jumping into the studio. I've got one of my, I'll call you my industry heroes because you, <laughs> I'm you, holding Seth. a CD here right now that you produced in the year, was this 2000? 2000? It came, a street date actually was 9-11-2001. Wow. 
Never yes. knew that. So Michael W. Smith, Worship Records, was a record that you produced and engineered and mixed. Yes. All of the above? Yes, all of the above. Yeah, so I've gotten to know you over the past few years, and you spent a long, amazing career in the music industry, and now you're doing something different. And we're going to dive into that, and that's what I really want you to talk about, because I think it's fascinating. You want to just share, I mean... Your road from square one to producing this Michael W. Smith record. I mean, <laughs> okay, that, that couldn't have been the first thing that you worked on, right? <laughs> no, that wasn't the first thing I worked on. So square one, I got an internship when I was in college at a studio in Memphis, Tennessee called Ardent Recordings, which was one of the most amazing studios ever because it was one of these old school three very large rooms and there was always a major label record going on in every room at all times. And it just helped me so much to get thrown into the mix on that. And I ended up just learning an amazing amount going on staff there as an engineer. And I did that for about eight years. And I ended up deciding I really wanted to produce a Christian artist. And so I found an artist did some demos on him. His name was Steve Wiggins. And he later went on to be the leader of a band called Big Tent Revival. And I did his first solo artist on a little offshoot that they started for Sparrow Records called Vireo, which started with Out of the Gray, Steve Wiggins, and Jimmy Abag. And I ended up going on staff there. I eventually got hooked up with uh, some great folks in the Christian music industry, Tommy Sims, Wayne Kirkpatrick, Brown Bannister. They all started using me as their mix engineer and working on a bunch of great records. And I ended up essentially living at the Hampton Inn on West End. And I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. I've got to move here after three or more months of staying in that hotel. (laughs) And I moved here And immediately got in with the right people and just had an amazing, amazing time getting to work with some of my favorite uh, artists was Rich Mullins. I I got to do his Liturgy Legacy and Ragamuffin Band record and some of his follow-up recordings after that. And he's just, it was just an amazing experience. Man, talk about that. I want to camp there because Rich Mullins, I mean, what was that like to work with him? Actually, he was super, super fun and quirky and you didn't know what was going to happen next. And he was not about scripting things out. Okay. He was about capturing the moment and it was just getting to be a part of that record. It honestly is one of the highlights for me of my whole 29 year career was doing that record. Was it in getting to know you over the last few months? I think you're like me in the sense, are you pretty left brain? Yes, definitely. So was that the hardest, (laughs) one of the hardest records that you got to work on? I don't know. I mean, it was, it was a lot of work and they put me in charge of finding a studio that we could all go to that was not in Nashville, that was sort of in the middle of nowhere. And so I really did a bunch of looking around and I found a studio in Alexandria, Indiana, and it ended up being Gaither Studio. Mm. They had just put in this brand new, you know, million dollar API console that was the first of its kind that was like just a huge, I think it was a 64 channel console. And so I really wanted to try that board out. And that's what led the whole team there. And it was really a cool sort of collegiate experience because we 
didn't have anything to do, literally. There was nothing to do in that town. So all we did all day long was just hang out at the studio and work on the record with no distractions, Mm. which I can't tell you how powerful that is to do every once in a while. Just get away and just focus on the music. And getting to do that with Rich was, was a real, real treat. If you could isolate one key thing about yourself that let you have the successful 29-year career in the music industry. Could you pinpoint one thing? What What is it about you that made people want to keep coming back to you? Well, I think really what it is, Seth, is that I was more concerned about their vision than mine. Mm. And I was trying to help fulfill what it is that the artist was wanting to bring out. And I was wanting to focus solely on making their vision come to life. Mm. And I would say that was the key to the success. That was the thing that the thread that would tie it together. I didn't have a heavy hand. In other words, I didn't want people to listen to my production or mixing and say, ah, I know Tom Lonnie did that. Mm. And because of a sonic signature that I quote unquote had, I would rather have them say, oh my gosh, that Rich Mullins record sounds amazing. Rich is a genius. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not seeking out the attention or the the name recognition. That's the, I'm glad you hit on that because we talk so often on on this show about how being a servant first is one of the things that I've seen over and over again in people that are successful in music or really, I guess, any business. So let's talk about your story as you kind of transitioned out of that and into what you're doing now. There was something that kind of specifically happened to you. Yes. So I guess it was about, I was working on a movie, uh, doing the soundtrack for a movie, and it was like 30 original songs, and I had this massive load of work to do on it. It was a wonderful experience for me, but towards the very end of it, I started noticing that things weren't exactly translating in my life, and it kind of goes back to an experience I had in the studio where I got subjected to some in super intense white noise, which is just basically all frequencies at once. And what, what happened? Was it just like a, a <clears throat> it was a computer, computer malfunction that I thought was something to do with Pro Tools, but it turned out to be something to do with my SSL console. So I was kind of trying to get it corrected the wrong way and therefore it just kept going <laughs> it kept going i did i misdiagnosed the problem as a pro tools problem and it was my console mm. so what that led to was some hearing loss in my right ear that had i not had the proper protection for that event happening i would have been in big trouble financially and so it was just one of those things where because that happened to me, I felt really passionate about telling other people how to protect themselves. Mm. And that's where I came up with a concept called bulletproof wealth, because I think really everybody needs to look at what risks they're facing and try to protect themselves in the event something unforeseen happens, like it did to me. Yeah. So, so how, I mean, in that moment, just you had to be just freaking out because I can't imagine your plan was to stop at any point. No. And, I didn't recognize exactly what was happening until I was doing a free 
worship record for an artist of mine that was on a label I developed called Tar and Feather Records. And I had three artists and it was a pop kind of alt rock label. And um, one of the artists decided he wanted to do a worship record for his church. And so I said, hey, I'll mix it for free, no problem. Well, that record was the first thing I did after completing that movie. Mm. And things just went wrong. It was like I was trying to look at a painting and somebody was telling me to make it more green, but I could not tell what the color green was. And I realized that... I had to do something different because that what I wasn't being able to translate the music like I had prior to that event because happening. of that accident. Yeah, because of that accident. Wow. So it was a scary moment for sure, Seth. It mm. was, and I'm just so thankful because God has a provision and He has a plan, and He used a, a an advisor that I had in my life twenty years earlier to say go out and get this going on. And then I kept that throughout all that time. So I was able to use it when I needed it. And that's kind of why you do what you do now. That's exactly why I do what I do now. Right. And the other thing, Seth, just to be totally honest with you, is that I also got a ton of bad advice over those 29 years of being in the music industry from a string of one after the other people that I trusted to help me with my finances that ended up not giving me totally good advice. And so I realized that the financial literacy level in the music industry overall, and this is not just the music industry, but that's the industry I was in is fairly low. And so I wanted people to I just wanted to be at least one person out there that was helping as many people as I could to raise that bar and to be able to give some people some honest and straight answers. Yeah, that's good. So can you talk about what you're doing right now and what that's turned into for you? Absolutely. So I started a firm called Stress-Free Planning. And the reason I came up with the name Stress-Free was strictly because of how stress-free living can be when you have the banking system, traditional banks out of your life. That's basically what it is. And I don't- You're like just, you're probably like blowing everybody's mind. What is that even like (laughs) not having the traditional banking system? I mean, we're talking to like music people who are like, okay, so how do I get my thing on iTunes? Like, you mean you can use things other than banks? Yes, you can use things other than banks. So a bank is where, a traditional bank is where you go to them and say, hey, I need to borrow some money and they're going to do tons of qualifications on you before they give you that loan. They're going to make sure that your income is in line, that you've got the right credit score, that you are not sick or injured, that you have you know the right debt to income ratios it's like all of these qualifications that honestly when you actually go through it on a regular basis it's really stressful because they always have that power of no hanging over your head and it's just something that i realized recapturing or just being able to take the power that they have on us away by developing your own banking system is a super, super important thing to do. Mm. And it can actually increase the efficiency of your money by 
just exponential. Sure. So can you hit on, because I, I know it's sort of a three-part system for Bulletproof Wealth. Sure. I, I, like, I like how clear that is. I think that'd be helpful for our listeners to hear what your strategy is. Okay. So the thing one is what I had, which is called disability insurance. And that is protecting your ability to earn a living right? So your number one most important valuable asset you have is your ability to earn a living. If that gets taken away, people don't realize how unbelievably devastating that can be to people. It's actually sometimes even worse than a death Mm. because you have no ability to earn a living and then it's just things spiral and go wrong really quick. So that's the number one thing that I protect is what happens to you if you get sick or hurt. And then secondly, I want you to be able to have access to capital when you need it because your need for finance is ongoing. And The way that I do that is doing a specially designed insurance policy that grows cash and puts it at a place where it will compound forever, but also give you access to it when you need it without interrupting the compounding. And I don't want to get too jargony here, but you do that via collateralized loans. What collateralized loans means is that you're just putting up some collateral in order to get access to the money you need. Sure. So tell me about your analogy, because I love this, how artists can dramatically increase returns by buying and selling CDs and t-shirts. Okay, that's awesome. Well, I just had this epiphany about a month ago. And what it is, is that if you have anything that you mark up, you can dramatically increase your returns by doing the Bulletproof Wealth Strategy. In order to do that, you have to understand how banks make money. And I'll explain to you really quick and I'll make it as simple as possible. Banks make money by marking up money because their commodity is money. Just like a musician's commodity is their CDs and t-shirts. A bank will, say for example, charge 3% to you to loan money from the bank, but they will pay 1% if you have money on deposit with the bank. So I oftentimes will ask people, hey, if a bank's paying you 1% for you to deposit $100,000 with them, and then they're turning around and loaning that same $100,000 to another person, and they're charging them 3%, for the use of the money, what is the bank's markup? Okay. Mm. What do you think most people say, Seth? I would say they would probably say 2% because three minus one equals two, right? Exactly. That is what most people think. And the reality is, is that if you introduce a financial calculator into the equation and you run the math on it, they're actually making a 200% profit. Mm. And the way they're doing that is you have to think about it in terms of a CD. If a CD costs a dollar to buy and you can sell it for $3, if you run the math on that, that's a 200% profit. Mm -hmm. So when you think about it, guys, back in the mid 80s when CDs were selling for 
15 bucks, but the record label was charging you guys $5 to buy them in bulk. I don't know if you guys ever were, you know, I don't know if you ever <laughs> in that position, but in the old days, record labels would produce these CDs and then they would charge their artists, you know, a fee to be able to have access to them to sell them at their concerts. So that actually is the same profit, that's the same 200% profit as buying a CD for a dollar and selling them for $3. Mm -hmm. It's just all the numbers have gotten smaller, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you can find a way to buy a CD for a dollar and sell it for $5, you're actually making more money now than you would have back in the mid 80s at the heyday of the music when people were buying CDs for five and selling them for 15. Yeah. Am I making sense there on the math, Seth? Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. So the point I'm trying to make is that if you have access to capital via a collateralized loan at 5% interest because you have this money that is growing and compounding and you can use it. And then you're able to turn around and make a 200% rate of return on it while still not interrupting the compounding on your original balance. You can actually kill it over time and ultimately have way more money than by draining your account to buy the CDs and then replenishing it when you sell them. Mm. It's good. And so in the day where, you know, art labels aren't selling CDs to artists anymore. Right. In a lot of cases, artists can do that with t-shirts. Totally. They can do it because, right, what, what, you buy a t-shirt for five bucks, sell it for 20. Boom. So you're able to take your returns like crazy. So how, how would they use that in, in actuality with a policy to be able to because there's another component where the money inside the policy just keeps growing and compounding. Exactly. And compounding. So let's just say, for example, that you had $100,000 in cash value in your specially designed life insurance policy. And again, guys, this I haven't even scratched the surface on how I design these, but you design them to have the highest amount of money into them with the lowest amount of death benefit in order to not what's called MEC, the policy, which that means turns it into a modified endowment contract, and then it would lose its tax advantage status. So anyways, I don't want to get too technical there, but how you would do it is you would fund this policy over time, and then you would be able to access it at any point that you needed it. And you would just get a check in the mail from the insurance company. They deposit it, buy your t-shirts and CDs, sell them, then you pay the loan back. And the whole time that you had that loan out, you're in, your balance inside your account would be growing mm. and growing and growing. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. So this is probably mind-blowing stuff for a lot of people listening. I, I really hope for our <laughs> listeners that you can literally just hit rewind over the last 10 minutes and go back with a notepad and, <laughs> and, and take notes on what he's doing. But obviously this is something where, you know, if somebody wants to get help figuring out how to implement this strategy, it's not a cookie cutter system. No. And it's, it's not complex, but it's based on a number of variables in order to make it work. And because of that, each individual person has a different design. And so just like I did in the music industry, where I was trying to pull the vision out of the artist and put it into place for them, I'm now trying to do that with the people I work with, trying to see what their needs are, 
what their whole system looks like in terms of their financial picture and then design a specific bulletproof wealth plan to work for them. And listen, there's n- at no point are you beyond starting something. Mm. The very first place to start is just by capturing your insurable interest while you are healthy. Mm. That's the first place to start. And that that works on an income multiple based on your age. And then that will lock in your health status. And then we can, through what's called term conversions, I can build your banking system up over time without you having to worry about being uninsurable in the future. Yeah. So one thing that a lot of us in the music business fear is this roller coaster. It's much like an athlete where you've got the ups and downs that somebody once told me, you know, treat every dollar you make in music like it's your last. Now that's a little bit of a, maybe a downer way of thinking, but probably has some merit to it. Well, I love that you brought that up because the other thing that I want to try to do is help people realize that this can help stabilize your income overall because as you are putting away money for the future, should you need access to money just to live on for three or four months, you can do the same collateralized loan that you were going to use to buy the CDs. And then when you get your next gig, your next royalty check comes in, your next tour, then you just pay back that loan and it's at a very low interest interest rate because it's again collateralized. So it's keeping the interest rate low and you can use it for whatever you want. And let me tell you, Seth, the stress-free part of it is that you don't have to ask permission from anybody to mm-hmm. get access to this money. That's what stress. You're not going to a bank. You're not saying, please, I need to pay my, my mortgage bill. Can you please lend me some money? Let me ask you, Seth, what do you think happens if you go to a bank and say, hey, I can't pay my mortgage this month? Do you think they're cool about it if you just promise you're going to pay them back in the future? I think they'll probably look at you and say, uh, well, give us the house back then. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's because that's what's the collateral on yeah. the mortgage. So this is a stress-free way of living once you start building up some money that you have access to that can continue to work for you at all times. Yeah. So it sounds like this is a very, you know, long term. This isn't a get rich overnight kind of thing. No. In fact, it's funny because the way I describe it is this is not a get rich quick scheme. It's a you will never be poor scheme. Mm. <laughs> That's the way I describe it. So it's a slow crock pot philosophy. And I'm not trying to tell you that this is an investment. This is the best place to store cash mm. for you to be able to have it grow and have access to using it when you need it. Sure. So pretty much all of us in music realize that we are our own business owners. We're, we're the brand, we're the entrepreneurs, we're the people that have to kind of take things into our own hand. That's why I like what you're doing because you've been there on the music side. Yep. You've paid the dues, you've been in the highs and the lows, Yes, worked on some of the biggest records of, you know, in our entire genre. And so would you say that this is for anybody who's in music or is it for a very specific type of person that wants to adopt your strategy? So I think you can start if you're anybody in the music business. Now you're not going to be able to implement 
every part of it, you grow into it over time. So obviously, if you are, say, for example, making $30,000 a year, all of that's going to be coming in and going back out just to live on. So you have to have what is called some sort of cash flow positivity. Yeah. And not without getting too technical, that just yeah. means that, you know, you have more coming in than you have going out and you can put something aside for the future. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to be doing that anyway, but obviously the greater that spread is on your cash flow positivity, the faster you're able to get this system working to where you can actually be able to use it in your life. The whole rich dad, poor dad concept that, you know, you can put your money in the bank, but ultimately savers are losers. Exactly. Because listen, I just had this conversation yesterday with a guy who's super smart attorney and I was going, hey, as you're leaving money sitting around in a bank, a traditional bank account, you're earning zero point nothing percent. You're actually losing money due to inflation. Yeah. So stop, inf- stop right there because yes, I think sir. a lot of people don't even think about this stuff. But we realize that our money sitting in the bank is losing money every year because inflation's what you know four percent. On average per year? Okay, so I don't want to go too technical. That's a whole nother conversation. But I will say this. CPI is the consumer price index, okay? And that is what they base the traditional inflation on. But they exclude energy and food from Mm. CPI, which makes that number a bit cooked, honestly, because what do we have to have to live? So on a low end, 4%. Yeah, on a low end, 4%. But in reality, it's way higher than that. I would encourage everyone to go to John Williams' shadow stats, and he tries to track real inflationary numbers. Now, the way that they're doing inflation now is trying to disguise it as best as humanly possible. For example, when you go buy a bag of potato chips, you're getting like 70% of the potato chips you used to get. Yet, mm. But they're charging the same money, so you're not seeing the effect of it. Sure. Or when you go buy a half gallon of orange juice, three years ago it was 64 ounces and now it's 59. Go look mm. at the jar. You don't notice the difference, but you're getting less orange juice. Yeah. So it's tricky, but when you factor inflation even at 4%, you don't want to be losing the 4% because that's just eroding your purchasing power every yeah. each and every year, which that compounds as well, Seth. Yeah. So 20 years from now, your purchasing power at 3% will be half of what it is today. Mm. So this has been very mind-blowing for me, I'm sure for all of our listeners. But the good news is, is it doesn't have to stop here. Tom actually has some free training videos that he would love to send you. Absolutely. No cost. And it's at stressfreeplanning.com. Yep. Just put in your name and email address there and I will get you immediately. You can have access to those. And then if you want to, what I do is I book what's called a Bulletproof Wealth Discovery Call, which is just you know fancy jargon for, hey, let's just chat on the phone for a minute and see if there's anything I can do to help you. And if you have any more questions about what I do, I'm happy to answer them. Yeah, because th- this is stuff that... You know, we don't talk a ton about money on our show. This is a little bit of a rare episode, but it's a part of everybody interacts with it. You don't have a choice. Like you've got to either 
figure out how to manage your, you just have to do it. You're a business owner, you're an entrepreneur, you are a brand. So this, I love it because it's a great strategy. It's outside the box. And a lot of people who listen to our show are outside the box thinkers. So I really encourage you again, go to stressfreeplanning.com, get those free training videos. If you don't do anything else, just do that and hit pause on your iPod. I know a lot of people listen to podcasts when they're driving, pull over to a safe location. (laughs) Exactly. Type in that URL. And don't wait for that because you'll forget about it. Like you're probably in between a drive from work or from your show to your next show. Don't forget to do this because this is mind blowing stuff. And it's, it's really changed a lot of people's lives. And it's the reason why when you look at what are the wealthy people doing, not just in music, but what are the wealthy people doing with their money? This strategy is pretty common with all of them. It's very, very common, Seth. And one of the largest users of this strategy, believe it or not, is the banks themselves. I want to ask you a question, guys, not to you know go too far off into this, but do you think banks invest in certificates of deposits? I think not. No, that's their <laughs> own product. They don't invest in certificates of deposits, but they do buy as much life insurance as is legally allowed by the government because mm. they know that's the best place to leverage their money. And if they can have cash value and do this same strategy, loaning you their cash value reserves and getting a several hundred percent return on it, they would rather do that. If you want to learn more about it, just search the term BOLI. That stands for Bank Owned Life Insurance. Mm. And you'll find out that they're doing it. And also anybody in the high and ultra high net worth realm is doing this strategy as well. Yeah. But you got to start somewhere, right? You got to start somewhere. And I like bringing this information down to just the average ordinary person starting because I want to make sure that these strategies are not just held back for the elites. Yeah. So if we could jump back just in your mind, transition from where you're at now to your music career. Yeah. We always like to ask this question on the show just because I think it's invaluable. But if there was one thing that you could tell the younger you that was like, man, this was a lesson that you learned that you wish you wouldn't have learned the hard way. What would that be before you jumped into your music career? A lesson that I wish I would have learned before I jumped into my music career. Boy, I tell you, it would be to put other people's needs before my own. It would be to tell people to find ways to add value. Find ways to add value to people and not ask them for stuff, but try to give, deliver value first. If I would have known that when I very first started, I think I could have leapfrogged, you know, several times before I had to kind of figure that out by just watching and observing. What would that have actually looked like for you? It would look like saying, hey, for example, as an assistant, I started out as an assistant engineer. I would be saying to the person I was working for, you know, what can I do to make your day go smoother? Mm. That's my first question in the morning, not, hey, can you teach me how the automation works on that SSL console? I would be saying, what can I do to make your day go smoother and to make your day go smoother and then just serve and then wait? Mm. 
that's what I would recommend. That's good. I like it. This whole episode, you're a man of the the long-term thinking. Yes. Very smart. So Tom Lonnie, 29-year music industry veteran and Bulletproof Wealth coach. Thanks for being on the Full Circle Music Show. Thanks for having me, Seth. I really appreciate it. Hi, this is Seth Mosley, and you've been listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. This show has been produced by the Full Circle Music Company with editing help from Jordan Salamone and Jericho Scroggins. Don't forget to check out my new vlog on YouTube. Go search Seth Mosley's vlog on YouTube, or you can find it on our Full Circle Academy YouTube page. Subscribe to us there. And again, just a quick reminder, if you want to find out how to get invited to one of our next secret songwriter retreats, email support, S-U-P-P-O-R-T, at fullcirclemusic.com. And we will see you on the show next week.